Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. Welcome to the Nest of Vipers podcast, cultural chit-chat, buy and for, know-it-alls, ne'er-do-wells, and nattering nabobs everywhere. I'm your host, Danny Plotnick. And each week on the show, we have an esteemed panel of blabbermouths telling stories and riffing on some scintillating topic. And uh, by way of introduction for this show, most of the guests who come on the show are part of the art world or very taken by uh, alternative culture or subculture. And most of those types of people have some defining moment early on in life when they realize they're just kind of different from everybody else or, you know, are concerned with different things than most of their friends. And so today we're going to dig back into the high school years and talk about some of those formative moments. And right now I'm going to introduce the panel. Right here we've got writer Arkansasian. If you're from Arkansas, what are you? Arkansan. Arkansan. We've got Arkansan, Bucky Sinister, and also son of a preacher man. If I yes, that's going to figure very well into this. I I figured. I'm always fascinated uh, by that. So uh, all right, so we've got Bucky Sinister. I'm sure he's going to be telling us some horrific tales from uh, the backwoods of Arkansas. (laughs) And uh, across the way here from the Great West, Coloradian. What are you if you're from Colorado? Coloradan. Coloradan. Kurt Kepler, and also former door-to-door Bible salesman? Uh, Encyclopedias, Danny. (laughs) Uh, So uh, there you are. Kurt was hawking encyclopedias at some point in his life. And finally, uh, sitting across from me, born in Pittsburgh, reared on Long Island, but spending her formative years in California, we have musician and teen theater geek, Allison Faith Levy. So we have two teen theater geeks on the same side of the table. Teen theater geek power unite. There we go. So let us start. There'll be no whispering about Godspell at this table. At some point, Kurt and I want to do a production of Godspell. We're both now too old to be in it, but perhaps not. Perhaps well, we could Jesus use sort of like... He wasn't that old. Well, I, mean, I mean, you know, he wasn't that young, right? <laughs> he was pretty young. Did, uh, son of a preacher, man. How old was Jesus? Uh, what, yeah, what did Jesus like, top out at? Uh, the common consensus 30, is that he died at 33. But, you know, there's two camps. There's the... the JCS camp or Jesus Christ Superstar and the Godspell camp and I think Kurt and I both fall into the Godspell camp and mm-hmm. we're definitely in the in the minority as far as uh, religious theater musical geeks go. Yeah. Well, you know what? Godspell's back so back much in better. Arkansas, yeah. what were they? If uh, Ernest Borgnine can be in the Ten Commandments, uh, I, I think it's fair game for anything. Kurt and yeah. I can be in a. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your Moses now? <laughs> yeah, All yeah. right. And was well, that an impersonation of Ernest Borgnine? Uh, no, uh, Edward G. Robinson. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was pretty bad at his point nine. I just like, uh, wait, I don't think it was a very good Edward G. Robinson. Either. Yeah, yeah. But, I, was, I, I wasn't brought here. For, I wasn't brought here for my rich little ability to like personate people. Yeah. No, you were brought here to humiliate yourself in some yeah. way. So please, uh, why don't you start us off? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I grew up in Arkansas, but uh, this actually takes place in the uh, outer suburbs of Boston. And I was, uh, I think, a junior in high school. I lived in Wellesley, which is a really nice, rich kid suburb there. Uh, it's where Wellesley College is, where Hillary Clinton went to school. Old money of Boston lives out there. My dad got a job in, uh, in, in Boston working for a church out there. But they owned a house out there, and they put us up out there. Because uh, my dad was frightened of... Uh, you know, inner city schools and stuff like that. Because we're moving from Arkansas to Boston. Well, and that was the time when the busing issue was probably very big in Boston, right? So it was like, like 80s and it's just like, you know, oh, no. you know, uh, it was already... He's you know, younger that already, than us. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, they, they put us out there. It was a, it was a great school. It was a great, great academically. It was a great school. But, uh, you know, I grew up in Arkansas with, like, you know, even my church that I won't mention by name because they're very fanatical. And, like, this year alone, the church I was in, like, th- there's been one notorious murder of one of the ministers by his wife. Uh, we're profiled on uh, an HBO documentary about people who steal dogs from people's yards and sell them to medical researchers. And also show up in the Daniel Johnston documentary about the, the crazy fundamentals that drove him insane enough to be who he is today. Every time we pop up in popular culture, it's because it's like, oh, yeah, look You're at these people. people. They're really crazy. Yeah, we never like help anyone. Everyone hates us. And uh, anyway, so but I grew up like kind of in that thing in Arkansas. There was a bunch of us. So I didn't really think it was too odd. You know, and I didn't really notice like how far out of society we were. Did you have a real hick accent? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I had so a the, real, I had a real southern now, were draw, you, a were real you a, slow were twang. You, were you a redneck or a? I know you have the, the you differentiate. Between, uh, at the time, I was a, a, I was I would put myself in the hick category. All right. Yeah, definitely, because I was you know kind of clean cut and whatever. How was and, it a uh, hick different from a redneck? I read the book. <laughs> read the book. It's all detailed in the book right there. But. Uh, <laughs> Like, and, the like, like, uh, and the book Whiskey is like and the book is Whiskey Robots. Yeah, no, Bucky yeah. is a fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The main thing, like, like a hick, you know, a hick goes to church on Sunday, and uh, and a redneck, you know, uh, won't. Uh, basically, that's you know, without getting into the whole poem, which because they're too busy working on the car. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like rednecks more like kind of the uh, you know whiskey drinking Charlie Daniels band kind of thing. And hicks are you know more kind of like you know like well you know the the uh, seven hundred club. A lot of a lot of hicks watch seven hundred club. And uh, Redneck is just like kind of like a more good old boy, like, you know, whatever. I think, you know, yeah, we're going to, you know, putting. And so, you know, so you're a hick at this point. Yeah, I was a hick out there in, you know, Boston. And, and it, it's enough to make you feel different. And we did a lot of street evangelism and stuff. I think by this time I was actually like pretty much running my own little street ministry out there. And uh, <laughs> so on, on the Saturdays, weekends and summers and stuff, I was out there uh Competing with the Nation of Islam for uh, recruits, <laughs> and uh, I, this to me is all wait, still wait, normal. What kind of, what kind like, of tactics? I mean, you're, you do you get to the corner you're like, damn, the Nation of Islam's here. They're they're tough. They're well, tough to be. Yeah, well, it you, seems like you're walking down the well, street. Well, they have you, food. You know? I mean, it's like one of the things they have bean pies. You know, I was always kind of jealous of that. It's like, oh, that's no fair. You know, it's like, can we, can we have cookies or something? Can I compete? I mean, it's like I don't have, I didn't have anything. You know, it you was a, just like you had a ruler, a yardstick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, let me remind you, this this is from between the years of like 1984, 1987, and it's just like you know, crack is everywhere, and, and the streets are just totally crazy. I mean, it was just like 1984 was kind of was kind of intense. You know, it was in, like in Wellesley. Well, no, we 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 didn't. We uh, had to uh, go evangelize downtown. Oh, okay. Like Harvard Square and stuff like that. You know, in the, in the, like '84, it was like you know a lot of breakdancing crews and whatnot out there competing for space. And then by like so you 1985, got the of Islam, you got your church and you got the break dancers. Yeah, yeah, the break dancers. Uh, you know, and uh, you know they were they were they were kind of fine. And then by 1985, once the, the crack is slowly taking over, the break dancers are disappearing, and the crack dealers are showing up everywhere, and it gets really gnarly out there, and just everyone's just jacked up off their mind on crack, and you ask the wrong guy at church, and it's and you know you're in a fight. Like it's just like Southeast fight really quickly. And they also don't like Protestants so much. Anyway, still, still with all that, I thought that was normal. I thought this is what I'm here to do. I, I'm here to, you know, spread the word of the Lord to everyone, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got in trouble at school a lot for asking other people to Bible study. 
uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, I got in a couple fights at school over that. Is this high school or? High school, yeah. And the principal told me, well, you know, I can't invite people to Bible study at, at school. So, I, I don't know. I kept doing it anyway. And it was it was a real thing. It's still, I thought it was normal. Uh, then it kind of leading up to the, to the defining moment, like there was a, uh, there was a big show on one of the local news stations of like, oh, is this church downtown Boston? Is this, is this a, sort of uh, like an evening PM show? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the local inside edition. It's like, <laughs> is this a church of a really, uh, excited fundamentalist or is it a cult? And, uh, you know, I, I'd seen that word a lot, you know, I'd seen it. I think the first time I saw it. <clears throat> First time I saw it was someone uh, picketing our uh, one of the churches, one of our churches when I was about ten, you know, and it was a big sign like uh, walking up and down outside the front of the church with big signs that said, you know, this church is a cult, you know, whatever. And I was just always brought up to believe that, you know, oh, that's just what the devil does, honey. You know, just like <laughs> the devil's just working through those people trying to keep people out of church. Words, yeah, yeah, cult. yeah, yeah. And uh, it was also that was in. Uh, that was outside San Diego when I saw that. So it was just California, and like Satan works hard out in California, and uh, you know he's just running loose here, getting everybody on drugs and whatever. And they have now. Did you think there were cults? I mean, did you? Look oh, I thought at, the other like, the, the other ones were like and... yeah, yeah. Because I also ran into the Moonies all the time. The, the Moonies also had big things out where we we used to have to like run into them, and we also ran into the Harry Krishnas and everything. And and we're all everybody's like kind of pointing at each other, going, "They're a cult." We're not, you know, and uh, like, still like I was still thinking like everything's normal. The thing was that the, the defining moment was uh, we actually read 1984 for a uh, uh, for junior junior year in English class. And I was like, finally, a book that tells it like it is. Like, this book is like, really? Like, this book is dead on. And like, all these other books just seem all weird and unrealistic. What? Like, you know. And uh, like, and I just really, it was the first, like, I really related to. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I read it in like two settings. So I was like, this book is great. And I'm all ready to discuss it in class. And the, uh, you know. What parts were speaking to yeah, you? Yeah, who were you rooting for? In, in <laughs> well, like it was just like this guy. It was like you know, I, I knew this thing. I was watched all the time. I had I was told everything to do. I had to watch what I said to anyone. You know, I was like even kind of wasn't even really sure if people understood. I wasn't even really sure if people knew what I was thinking or not. I mean, it was that kind of deep, and I definitely was unable to lie to anyone. You know, it was just like, so I'm just completely frightened. Wait, were you being watched by God, by your parents, or by the Uh, people calling you cultists? I had, I had uh, someone who was assigned to me that was not one of my parents who was in charge of like everything I did. Okay, so yeah. from from the religious group, yeah, yeah, they, big yeah, brother, so to speak, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. So kind of watched everything. I mean, they did control like whatever, just every aspect of my daily life, and I just kind of thought everybody else had it planned out like that. When when we had it, like you know, I you know, that's what I grew up with. I didn't know that like other people weren't really watched this closely, or if I thought that if I found out that when I found out they weren't, I kind of felt sorry for them. I was like, oh, no one cares about you, no, no one loves you <laughs> because like you know they You're don't running wild yeah. with no moral backbone yeah 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 it's like no one loves you because well, when you disobey somebody you'll get starved for a day or two you know and uh, it was like really kind of rough out there so we, we read this book and we're about ready to discuss it in class and uh <laughs> and i'm all stoked to to, to discuss this book because finally have something to add you know i was so out of touch with everyone i couldn't really discuss anything and i just didn't really understand what anyone was talking about and uh the 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 teacher janice barrett 
who's this awesome lady in my life. She uh, she was like my high school English teacher, and she uh, said, "How far away do you think we are from this? Like, do you like, think this could ever happen?" And I was like, "Wait, a, this is my life." You know, and I really, like, really uh, kind of freaked out. I really, like, it was one of those things where I just got really hot. I kind of felt like I was about to throw up and uh, and have diarrhea all at the same time. Like, <laughs> like you know, just In like. In high school, which would be quite an embarrassing <laughs> yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it was just one of those things where, like, I, I started, I literally like, started to sweat. Like, I, I never really, like, gotten those sweats before. Like, that was the second you realized it was just. I was like, I was like, oh, way. wait a minute. Like, everyone was right the whole time. You know, there were always, like, people, like, writing articles about us and, and like, putting all this stuff up there. Like, yeah, there were picket signs. There were signs in front of the church that said cult. And I was like, oh, no, that's just not, that, that wouldn't happen. I mean, this. And so by reading the book, you picked up that that was a negative thing. Yeah, yeah. On. Well, I, what was negative was when I found out that no one else ever lived like that. And like you know what I mean? It's like I thought this book was like realistic. I thought this is great. This is how life right, really this is. is and when I really future. realized that no one else had any kind of clue that anyone else would be living this way, I was like, okay, something has gone wrong. And I'm I still wasn't sure what it was, but I knew like my life was really messed up, and I didn't know where to even start. I was horrified. Oh I was like, God. I lived in in absolute like terror for like the next like about five or six months until I got out of there and moved back to Arkansas where my godfather was superintendent of a private school down there so I was able to move in so I had my senior year down there away from home but uh, yeah it was this was your junior year in high school yeah yeah junior year in high school it's like oh oh wow you know there's there's this old joke there's this old joke a lot of preachers tell about like uh you know about this guy who's who's in a it starts to rain and there's a you know there's a preacher and it starts to rain and the water gets up to his knees and uh you know this these guys uh come by in a little boat and they're they're like hey why don't you get in and we'll we'll take you somewhere safe and, and he's like you know what i'm just gonna pray that the lord stops the, the rain you know later it's getting up to his chest and, and he's still praying for the rain to stop and, and then there's another guy in a boat that comes by and says, get in get in the, you know the water's rising he's like no i'm gonna pray for the rain to stop uh it doesn't stop he gets up on his roof uh and, and keeps praying up there and a helicopter comes by, like, you know, get it, you know, grab the rope ladder. We'll, we'll take you to safety. And the guy, like, you know, says, no, no, I'm going to pray for the rain to stop. And then uh, the water goes over his head and he drowns and he goes to heaven. And he says, uh, and he, he meets God. He said, God, why, why, you know, why didn't you say, why, why, I was praying for you to stop the rain. Why didn't you hear my prayers? And he's like, you dummy. I sent two boats and a helicopter for you. What else was I supposed to do? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and... I, 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 like the, I like the notion of God saying, you dummy, <laughs> you dummy, <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> dummy. <laughs> now get in there and fix me some menudo. Yeah, yeah. Don't grade you. I'll be over later. Uh, yeah. Don't tell your ANS job here. Did Fred Sanford ever ask for menudo? <laughs> I can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Menudo and ripple. Those are the two things he, he ate and drank. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's Even how it's, God is Red Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly how I felt. That so. was like, I was just like, I, I felt like, you know, I was like, oh, God's been trying to tell me all my life to get out of this church. And I just haven't you still paid it was attention. God telling you. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't get all the way out because you're like, oh. Oh, and at the time, yeah, I was still like, I stood, I didn't have my, my big, my big, like, unplugging moment of where I, I, be, I became an atheist very suddenly happened later so, but do you so do you think god sent at the time do you think like god sent you that place to read that book i, I thought that it, they, like the, the book and the class was both sent by god i thought god got me to read the book 
So it was like, finally, maybe this will get through to him. You, you didn't realize that high schoolers everywhere were reading that book. I, I had no idea. Right. I had no idea the outside world. It was just, you know, something completely foreign to me. You know, it's like, I, you know, there's the whole thing was just, like, yeah, you know, my idea of high school was just like, you know, uh, trying to keep myself, you know, with, with you know, see if we could partner up with the, the Nation of Islam kids to kind of protect us from the crack gang. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of like, that's just the Lord's work. That's just what happens. You know, <laughs> right. it's like some crazy cracked up Southie's going to come by shooting at you. And, <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, then I went back to Arkansas, like, just like totally shell shocked and like come out to this great thing and like it, it like the, that whole story gets really really weird later too my parents disappeared for a couple of days in the in there and like you know and like everybody else is like uh you know who are you gonna ask to the junior senior banquet and i'm just like i, I hope my parents are alive <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and yeah yeah they're like are you gonna turn in this paper on time i'm like i i, I think the cosmos is crumbling around me <laughs> you know <And> like, <laughs> like, i think god's sending me secret messages like you know like all this stuff and i was just really this was really, you were a senior yeah yeah senior year of high school i really was looking for more messages from god because i thought really that like the book was really like I, I th- thought that God did that. Then he actually won't actually talk to you, but he'll like send people around with a big sign outside your church saying it's a cult, get out of there. Like, <laughs> but then I mean, just getting back to the book, I mean, it's kind of given that you're a writer, you've done a lot of stuff with sci-fi. I mean, it's, it's oh, sort of yeah. interesting that, that that book of all oh, is yeah. be sort of becomes that formative moment for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's actually the book that really got me reading too. I mean, just after that, seeing that kind of moment of like, you know, this was really important. Like what. Like there's a like a hidden message in this book. It was like I took it as a little bit more cryptic than it should have been, but uh, that was a book that really got me interested in reading, like as well. It's like, well, you know what? Maybe I should be just be reading books, not just what they hand me. Maybe there's some other things I should be reading. Maybe I should just maybe like you know I should read like a lot of these other books. That, you know, they're around. If you like George Orwell, you'll love. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just reading kind of anything I could get my hands on. A lot of it wasn't very good. I but you know, like some of it was just or just kind of regular high school stuff. Even reading like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and stuff like that. Just like you know. I just got to read. I just got to, like, this is, like, somehow there's messages in this stuff, and I got to gotta check it out. I mean, that was the thing where I realized that, that was the exact moment I was like, I am really am different and not in a good way from everyone else, <laughs> you know? I thought it was, like, well, like, oh, before that, I always knew it was different. I knew, like, okay, these kids don't go to church every day. I went to church, like, five times a week back then, and uh, it was just various permutations. It was like a Bible study, then there was a house church, and then it was like a meeting with like um, like the little big brother type guy, and then there was like church on Sunday, and then there's a youth group on Friday night, and then there's youth activity on Saturday afternoon, and you know, and we, like we all go out evangelizing together on Saturdays and Sundays, and and every day during the summer, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's like you know, go work the knitting mall, the Framingham mall, and the arcade at the Framingham, like whatever. Uh, I knew like that was different, but I thought it was because I was chosen by God to do this work for him. So I, I thought it was different in a good way. I thought the rest of the world needs to be different like me. Right. Like they need to be like this. Like I'm the one who's right. Everyone else is wrong. And uh, if I don't tell them, they'll go to hell because I'm the only way to God. And uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing too big there. But uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, got to save the world and then I'll worry about prom later. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, once I get done saving the world, then I'll have time for parties and whatnot. And then you're kind of like Buffy you... the Vampire Slayer. She kind of has the same attitude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tried to fit in still for, you know, a couple of years after that, I guess. But uh, definitely it was the thing that kind of sent me hurtling down the path of, of weirdness. 
All right. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move west to uh, Mr. Kepler. I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there was ever really a point where I, at least in high school or any time earlier that, where I actually got hip. It was sort of the reverse of that. I, I think I was, um, I definitely, there was a moment where I, I kind of, I mean, I was just such a nerd. And I think probably it got cemented really early on, maybe when I was about 11. I got sent over, my dad was a German professor and uh, a professor of German. He was an American <laughs> Professor Kepler. Dude. And um, yeah, Kepler. He, sent, yeah, Kepler. he decided to um, send me over to Germany in a sort of a, a student exchange with his, <laughs> with his German boy. Kurt's not working out for us. Do you have, <laughs> looking for someone named Fritz, like they send Hansi. Bart away to Armenia or whatever they get the little... Albania. Albania. <laughs> so um, he so sent... You went to Germany when you were 11? 11. Oh, wow. For, for, I think, four months. Oh, my God. And I got sent over... Which was great. I mean, I you know, in retrospect, but at the time it was pretty tough because I got sent over. Well, actually, I went over there, and um, my my dad was um, was over there with me for a while, and I was put up with his family in Munich. This was uh, in the sort of height of the um, kind of glam period when, you know, David Bowie and and Roxy Music and all that kind of stuff, and like in in and actually, I, I'm getting the date wrong. I, I was actually. Um, 13 at the time. All right. Um, and this was a little bit later than I, than I initially said. So let me just, let me just start the whole thing up again. <laughs> All right. For me, it was like the, the sort of dawning, the sort of light bulb moment wasn't really like finding out that I was, um, I was like hip or, or like, uh, superior in any way to, um, the people around me. It was more, more like, uh, kind of the opposite of that where I, I just felt like hopelessly isolated and kind of nerdy, um, uh, compared to everybody else. Um, right. And I, I think that kind of gotten cemented in probably around 1974 when I was uh, 13 years old and we were over on, in Germany on a um, kind of a, a, my dad's sabbatical. He was a German professor. And uh, and he's he had this notion that we were going to go to German schools. So he put us, and he put, put me and, um, and my brothers in, into the German school. Okay, um, now, now, did... Did you know any German at this point? Like, did, had he made you learn German before? You just I knew it like completely? rudimentary German, but but basically but not enough to be it was a total. It was like sink or swim. You'd seen Hogan's Heroes, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I'd seen yeah. Um, I've heard some craft work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, later. So they put put us in the German schools, and um, the first day, I mean, the first day, he had this idea that that I was going to um, wear lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of sadistic. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like showing up as an American in a German school at 13 wearing lederhosen. I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it seemed like a good idea at the time. I don't know. Well, you know, he was kind of a romantic, and I, I think that was like because he had served in Germany during the 50s, and you know, had kind of a certain idea of it, and. And he had this pair of lederhosen, and he gave them to me. And I, it was like, and had me put them <laughs> Here on. Here, son, and have s- my lederhosen. And so I trotted oh. out to school. Oh. And, um, trotted, and, literally. And uh, this was like, this was 70. 70- Did you have a little hat with a feather? And- <laughs> so you were in platform. In a stein of beer. No. I, uh. Anyway, this was, this was mod. This was mod, 1974 mod, like mod. Munich. M- yeah. Munich. Um, it was Munich, Germany. And like everybody oh. was like in these sort of. For you know boas, boas and and these, these they were smoking dope and everything and I show up in these these, <laughs> these later hosen and they oh. thought you were um, what's his name from ACDC <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Angus Angus, Angus. Angus. <laughs> I was, uh, 
So <laughs> yeah, that that kind of and that that I mean it was it was kind of traumatic I think, um, and it lingered for for many years after that and and then when I got to high school, I ended up you know kind of really falling in with with the nerds um, and in this particularly the wait the, in Germany no no this back. is back in the back in the states I fell in with with a nerd group the thespians and the um, and the people and who the sang asthmatics. in choir. And oh, the choir boys. Well, the asthmatics, as you said earlier, were <laughs> yeah. one t- step below with the 4-H'ers. Um, then I became kind of a, a choir boy kind of person. Wow. This is like the trifecta of like, <laughs> of well, like actually, adolescent humiliation. Yeah, right. Theater, like like the choir, and the lederhosen. I mean, it was... Yeah, it's all three things you need just to... Really outcast a young man right there. <laughs> and this is in this was in Colorado in, in suburban <laughs> western Colorado, which is basically run like a sort of concentration camp for jocks. It was sort of uh-huh. like, you know, <laughs> right, like, right. If you were a the a football player, basically you were you know, it was that sort of hierarchy that, that oh, we yeah. are yeah, familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I you know, I was I was basically on the outside from the very get go, but um but it wasn't kind of in a cool way. It was kind of in a in a really dorky dorky kind of way. I mean I um Did you ever climb out of that before you were out of high school or no, did you I just didn't. kind of stay that way the whole time? I stayed out I mean it, between my junior and senior year, I uh in Denver they have an amusement park called Elich's. Um and, and they have like Can you spell that? E L I T no, you can't. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Apparently, you can't spell that. <laughs> can you spell that's a different podcast, Allison? That's a different brain. That's wait, your... wait, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> can you spell that? Yeah, it's like a, it's your call in radio show. Excellent. Can you spell that with Allison Bade Lovey Blonder? <laughs> oh, great. Okay. So anyway, they, they, I, I spent a summer at Elitch's playing in a sort of singing and dancing. Uh, there was this. Group is called this the Up with People thing. There was this. Um, <laughs> you're, you're stepping on my lines. <laughs> Stealing the thunder. <laughs> there was this group called Rare Moment. Um, <laughs> they, they operated Wait, out of just one rare moment. Just one <laughs> rare moment singular. <laughs> they operated out of um, out of uh, Loveland, Colorado, which is about. 15, 20 miles away from... Isn't that where you used to send away for all the... Um, <laughs> for birth of jazz hands. Birth of jazz hands. Yeah, lovely oh, Colorado yeah, is where they invented jazz hands. <laughs> Back when the days of the uh, <laughs> of the railroad coming together, like the jazz hands were done to entertain the uh, the steel workers who were laying down track. <laughs> is this jazz for real? Jazz hands. jazz hands. Really? You don't know jazz hands? No, I don't. How'd you get through that much? Like, oh. <laughs> He was just doing See, it. Okay. I don't have enough time to define. See, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, rare moment was a was start out, was a sort of um, started by a renegade member of Up with People. And um, <laughs> oh yeah, I love a renegade member of Up with People. Yeah, <laughs> it's not happy enough for me. <laughs> he wouldn't wear we something need to be more positive. <laughs> uh, come on, people. come on, Jim. No, it's pretty up. No, we need to go up, 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 Jim. <laughs> Um, anyway, I've so, seen up with people twice, by the way. Live? Yeah, yeah. Wait, yes. wait, 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 no, talk about this. Oh yeah, I seen. No, Kurt's got to tell. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I know, but wait, where did you see up with people live? I mean, in, I thought they only Arkansas, performed twice. at the Super Bowl. Was, was, was this? No, they before, came to my school twice. Was this when you were before, or after your sort of epiphany? 
Uh, it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. were up with them? We you were, were into it. You were like, yeah, this yeah. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. We got to see a show. We got Wait, to see some singing. Was that people Christian or was it just like They were just no. happy. No. They were wholesome. Secular. Yeah, although they, were, they did a little too much dancing the second time around. Like, <laughs> somebody had some concerns because their kids came home saying there was people dancing on stage. <laughs> Didn't like that very much at all. They <laughs> <laughs> so go over well in Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, yeah. rare moment. There you were. That's how I know the words to the song. Rare I mean, moment. Can you sing an Up With People song? A rare moment with it's, Kurt It starts off Up up With People. They're oh, wherever yeah, you I go. Mean, up, up, up With People. Yeah, I don't know. See, they're the people you know. They didn't teach us any of those songs because it was. It's rare a, moment. A yeah, spin off yeah. sect. But, it, but yeah, so they taught us. They, they, locked, they kind of took us to Loveland and, and kind of locked us in this, this uh, rehearsal studio for about two weeks. And we learned all these dance moves. And we, each of us had, there was uh, four couples, me and, and my partner. Um, and they, we would learn kind of dance moves. And we had a backup band. And then we went to Elitch's and performed four, you know, three shows a day for the entire summer. And, and the, the you must have been good at the end. Well, we were we were smoking, <laughs> amped up on cotton candy and such. The repertoire was like uh, we did a, an amazing Barry Manilow a medley. Oh yes, um, Lola, Lola. Her name was Lola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I write the songs, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did, uh, yeah, we did. Um, Lola was awesome. Elvis Presley medley. We did some stuff for the, you know, the. The folk, old folks and the young folks is kind of like Presley kind of Manilow. <laughs> Presley <laughs> Manilow, you've got yeah. it all. Is that Branson Rock? Turn it, it, it up. A lot like American Idol. You know, I'm just thinking American Idol. Not that I've seen a ton of it. I've never seen anyone perform any Barry Manilow. He was on this last season. I guess for I. An all entire, right. like, he did show. a whole thing. Did you do Mandy? His face is all yes. scrunched yeah. up with plastic surgery. He's so weird looking now. Yeah, Kenny Rogers too. Yeah, he was on too, and yeah. they got that weird like. Yeah, yeah. Everything got pulled up into like a little puppet head. <laughs> and they can't smile anymore. Can no. They, can they? Or they're he just constantly smiling. Smile with the surgery. <laughs> so, so Manilow, Manilow Presley, what else? Uh, Stevie Wonder, we did a nice Steve. All these medleys, they like they love did the medleys. Did you live in for the city though? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> did, did you do any originals? No, 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 no. This was this was just this is strictly for this is an amusement park, you know. Right. Uh, it wasn't. It was about like telling, amusement. giving them what they already know, right. kind of in a in a sort of tasteful, dancey kind of way. Tasteful and dancey. But the thing is, I was really into this. I mean, it, this was not. There was no cynicism or irony right. whatsoever. And you know, this is just all to show that that you know I really never got over. Never got over being a dork um, through my entire. I mean, high school was was like that the entire time. When did you kind of? When did you emerge from the chrysalis? Um, I, I don't know if I really have. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Lecter. <laughs> it was probably a. I, I think kind of a slow dawning that that happened. A slow birth. Yeah. After. Are the lambs still screaming? It's <laughs> 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 ah, Well, I'm fun. glad we got to talk about rare moment. I was hoping you'd. You'd bring that up. Allison, another theater geek. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mine happened at a very, very young age. I knew very early on that I was different. A lot of it was because we um, moved from New York, uh, you know, Jewish, very cultured young parents, very hip kind of parents. Um, 
moved to suburban, the peninsula, to Belmont <clears throat> here. And you met Lawrence Welk at a young age yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, right. It's true. My dad uh, worked for Time Life, <laughs> uh, did the Time Life record packages. And um, we became good friends with the Welk family and would go down to L.A. and like hang out at their house. And they took us to Disneyland once with like all their kids and stuff. Wow. So, yeah. But um, so, you know, I, I was exposed to a lot. My dad was musical and I was exposed to music and all that kind of stuff. But um, when we moved out here from New York and Belmont, where everybody was blonde and very California. and I That's was, Northern California, right. just for people. Yeah, and just know. super whitey white. Kind of Brady Bunch down. <clears throat> totally Brady Bunch, which I think is why I have this weird, unholy kind of almost obsession with that show. I really love the Brady Bunch. And uh, I think it's because it's everything that I knew I wasn't and didn't have. Right from the get-go, like, people, I never really, I had a couple, I had a few friends, but I felt like nobody really liked me all that much or knew me that well. And they just all thought, I think, I feel like they all thought I was kind of weird. All I really ever wanted to do was just, like, listen to music and obsess over records from really young. And I would go through my dad's record collection before I went out and started buying my own records I would just pull from whatever my dad had. I think, you know, I would try to kind of get into what the other kids were into. This is later. <laughs> I would try uh, I would try to get into what the other kids were into, like the stuff that was on the radio and whatever. But it just, you know, it just wasn't my thing. And I felt like girls were just into... Girls didn't get music at all. They were just into it for the guys and mm-hmm. who was cute. And I never felt that way. Leaf really. Garrett. Yeah, so, whatever. So it wasn't about the music. It was about the the hormones. And it mm-hmm. never was like that for me. I was into the music. I wanted to be one of the guys. I mean, I loved right. them too. I thought they were, you know, I had my crushes. But it also was like, I wanted to, it, it, made, it was more to me than that. So when I was pretty young, I was still in elementary school, actually. I got a hold of my dad's Tommy album the original oh, tommy nice. not but this was before the movie came out this is the original like blue with the weird like i, I once won a tommy poster on thing. a radio station call and show caller number four you've won a tommy poster from the movie or from the movie yeah this is uh, before the movie so this is like the yeah, original from the movie. Yeah. yeah so um sorry no it's okay it's just that it, this was before anybody really shot down man i have you ever won a radio call-in show on a major yeah i won a radio... christopher reeve superman poster from a call-in show and, all right well whatever but anyway um <laughs> Anyway, so the Tommy album became this weird obsession with me, kind of like how with, um, you know, Brave New World or whatever, it was like, it wasn't that that was my life. I wasn't deaf, dumb, and blind or anything, but it was like, I could not, I couldn't leave that world of Tommy. I mean, I would listen to that thing all the way through over and over and over. I could still sing it to you note for note. I know every note of Tommy and I would... And and what what happened was it was probably like fourth or fifth grade. I mean, I was still pretty young, and it was the kind of thing that grownups listened to or teenagers at that point. Right. But nobody my age would have any idea what that was because it was yeah. a little yeah. late for that. Well, so it was a couple it, of years later. After. It'd be weird. Too, it would to be show weird. up at the fourth it's grade creepy, slumber party, and it's with. heavy and weird. And I didn't even know there was anything weird about it. I was just like, it didn't occur to me that other kids would think that was weird, that I was so into this thing. And so I would come to school and me and my little group of friends were into, because we were like kind of theater-ish types, we were into, at at recess, we wouldn't play like um, ball games or anything or climb on the things. We would make up like uh, little, um, not shows, 
but we would do like role playing games. Like we had this game called Country, and me and all my friends would pretend that we were living on the prairie. And like we'd go up in the little right, field right. behind the, the prairie. Plane. It, it was wasn't big. even Little House on the Prairie. It was our own. Like, okay, you're the mom, and you're the dad farmer, and you have to go milk the cows, and then I have to like churn the butter and make dinner. It was just like this weird, like you know, or we role playing butter just, churner. Whatever. We'd we'd have these very welcome to Williamsburg. Like, you were these are girls only. Yeah, it was girls only. And, and you're gonna get scarlet fever and go blind. But of course, I was always you know telling everyone what to do and where to be. I'd be like hoarse by the end of recess because I was like screaming at everyone like, you need to stand over there and do this, you know, because I was always just... So, <laughs> like running your own weird Ren Fair type <laughs> yeah, world. That's exactly what it was. You know, so right Ren Fair, that was my idea. Right, so <laughs> now you go get it, go get the stockade, yeah. get the chicken yeah. legs. So the other girls would listen to me. But of course, you know, it was always, I always had this like, slightly contentious relationship with other girls because it was always like I was just either had to be the boss or I was just into whatever but anyway so the whole Tommy thing it was like I so this country the playing country at recess was kind of like when I sort of made peace with the girls and we were like you know I kind of had some girls I had my girls and we were doing our thing and it was like oh wow I can be a girl and, da, da, da. and then the Tommy thing happened and I just so you know, I would bring like a friend home from school, like for snack. You know, you bring a friend home from school for snack and to hang out. And I'd be like, Do Fruit you want to listen to Tommy? <laughs> yeah. Like some other like 10 year old girl. They'd be like, uh, okay. Who's Tommy? And, and I'd cute? sit there and yeah, like yeah. put Is the record like on. <laughs> yeah. And I'd put the record on and like start Ignore to explain her. it to her, whoever it was that was. Oh. I did this over and over. It was like this weird torture thing to these poor friends of mine i'd be like okay so now uh you know he's shot the dad you know or the dad blah 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 and now tommy witnessed this whole thing and now he's deaf dumb and blind and okay and now he's having this dream and and you know now there's this the acid queen and then the doctor and they'd just be like oh my god now you had a deaf friend around this time i did have a deaf friend and but what did she think of that's tommy? interesting but i never <laughs> dragged her into the tommy thing it was It'd like be a little awkward that's funny you say that but i she yeah i never <laughs> signing what's happening if you were if you could hear it you'd be hearing but one day, I went, one day so one day i went to school and at recess i decided like i was gonna do acid queen <laughs> for everyone now had you uh, seen the movie is the movie no, the movie didn't not exist yet, yet. and you sang it? i got up on like a, a kind of step thing Seesaw. at recess <laughs> and like got everyone boys and girls everybody to come and like Watch me perform and sing Acid Queen. I didn't even know what acid wow. was. I didn't know what acid was. Wow. wow. I just thought that song was so hot. And yeah, I was just yeah, like, yeah. I want to be the Acid Queen. I didn't even know what acid was. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm the gypsy, the Acid Queen. You know, and everyone's just like, Wow. <sighs> and, you know, it. I think that might have been the day when I was just like, the day when you lost all your friends? No, but I think the day when I realized, okay, I'm not ever going to be, uh, you know, yeah. a nice, ha- happy little, you know, I'm going to, I'm always going to gravitate to the dark side. You know what I mean? Like To the dark side to of the, the dark, moon. To the dark side. And so, uh, and since that was, yeah. And then, unlike Kurt, I was, I was a musical theater geek up through like junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. I was a Girl Scout. I was all these very happy, sunny things. <laughs> 
And it was, I always had these two sides because I was like in all the music theater productions and I was just like this, you know, selling Girl Scout. I was always the top seller of Girl Scout cookies. That's the answering machine. And <laughs> someone's calling. <laughs> and, um, but then I always, you know, there was always some sort of dark thing, you know, whatever it was, like rock and roll that was just, and I never could reconcile those. And even up through high school, I couldn't figure out a way I never, it never even occurred to me like, oh, I could start a band. You know, it was right, like, right. I had this good singing voice and I was good at theater, but I could never actually use any of that for rock and roll. For good. Cause, right. Because yeah, yeah. rock and roll is like it's this sacred, dark, awesome thing that's like my, was my whole life. And all that other stuff was like well that. in the 70s, I mean music's so heavy and big and yeah. you know. But I didn't occur, but even through that whole time, like I knew that I was different and that I had this kind of like dark energy that I was cultivating or whatever, but I never saw that there was a way to make those two become one thing. You know. Oh, the God spell comes pretty close. That's pretty good. But until I got to college, really. And then I, I was the second, it was like the second I walked into the dorm, I'm like, I'm going to start a band. It was like literally, like all of a sudden the shackles were just like, boom. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to start a band and, uh, and that's it. And yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just really realized that like, oh, it's, I can just do this. You know? Just, it took so long and it, it was so it, it, torturous. It's, a, it's, a, it's that weird feeling where it's like, you know, it's, it's like, like opening a door everyone else thinks is locked. You're like, does anyone else what, notice that this is It's just been right open here? the whole time. Yeah, yeah, we can just walk through this anytime you want. You just do it. Well, the other thing, too, especially with rock and roll, it's like you, you and when you're a fan of anything, when you're a fan, that thing that you're a fan of seems so big and unattainable. Oh, yeah. It's I, so I think at that time, you. too, I mean, just. I mean, less TV stations, less access to music, that everything that was out there in popular culture was really big and produced and so far away. It was so far um, away. It was so far away. But the, even even when it wasn't big and produced, like even punk, when punk came out, it was like, but even that seemed that, so, like the Ramones were just, <gasps> and even though they might have been just four dudes from what, Brooklyn, the yeah, Bronx seemed, or whatever, it seems but a world the time, away. yeah, you were just like, Whoa! Because that's so not your life. Yeah, you couldn't show up looking to school like that. Well, you're in the middle of it. Now a kid in high school could form a band in two seconds and be like, "Oh, I can pick up a guitar and and form a band." I I mean, think culture has shifted. I mean, think a lot of the '80s, early '90s is making everything is about people realizing things are more accessible that you can just do it. Right. I I think that's sort of the legacy of the punk thing. Which didn't exist. So it didn't much exist. In the yeah, 70s. it's it's so hard to. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, <clears throat> it's a huge difference well, yeah, now. The seventies was 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 kind of big, you know, pop as like pop music is really big kind of corporate thing that came mm-hmm. to you from. Well, it's classy. It's orchestrated. You, it's yeah. And if you got budget. a chance to see it, it was at a big arena, and it seemed like like kind of so inaccessible. Yeah, and you didn't something. go see Barry Manilow down at the community center. No, but I read didn't. even if you read all the biographies of musicians, and like they did grow up somewhere, or they did go to school somewhere, they did at some point figure out with their friends that they were going to make a band. Even then, I, it didn't occur to me like that I could do that. Yeah, but they weren't doing it in high school at the time. Some were. The zombies did. Yeah, it's well, weird. do it for the zombies. Yeah, it, it's weird. I see that too. Like you know, like you know, Bill Hicks was you know wasn't even old enough to drive, and and he was sneaking out of the house. His friend had a car, 
Uh, his friend, I would take his well, like, family a- station wagon. He would sneak out of the house. They would uh, drive down on a school night down to Houston and perform at the little comedy club down there. Well, Cameron uh, Crowe. I mean, there's always some high school student yeah. making everybody look bad. I mean, there's always yeah, going to be one Rock, of those. Margaret Cho. Well, I would sneak like, out and like, go to rock shows yeah, constantly. Yeah. I mean, I went to everything I possibly could, whether my mom knew about it or not. But but the, the idea of doing it yeah. was yeah. just so... Yeah. Yeah, because there's, you know, I, I was trying to get into like, uh, you know, to to bars that had poetry readings at like nineteen or twenty, and and I, you know, always get thrown out and stuff. But then I would always like, you know, like I remember at the time, like I was like in the Chris Rock really early on, and, and he was, uh, he I was, was like, on the oh, ground yeah. floor, he Chris was, Rock, man. He was like, you know, I'd see him on TV, and and he wasn't even out of high school yet. You know, he'd be on these little comedy shows, and it was just like that that kid's really cool, and he's only like seventeen. Like, how does he? You know, get in these on these shows, and it's like, yeah, like these some of these guys. Is like it just Dave, confidence? Dave Is Chappelle it just this incredible like, like, amount of confidence that they? Well, it, it's are somehow they're afraid. they're able to, to to sneak in there. Like I know, like like Margaret Cho, when you know, because her parents own Paperback Traffic up on Polk Street. Um, they used to have uh, that the bar called the the Rosen Crown of Rosen Thistle. What was that over there? Uh, right in the neighborhood, they used to have a comedy night over there, and she was like fifteen, and they would let her in the back door. Uh, because the owners knew her parents, and they they thought, oh, it's it's Margaret from the neighborhood because everybody stopped off at paperback traffic to buy their gay porn, and oh, she's like, I've seen that routine. Yeah, yeah. What is that ass man? Yeah, yeah. She's like, the, <laughs> she's the cute little kid running around the porn store, and it's like, oh, like you know, what what gets you more like in, in San Francisco? That so they would let her in the back door to like do her routines. The and back then, door. Yeah, yeah. They would they would. Uh, no, oh, the, the, yeah. He's trying yeah. to make a joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wah, wah. And uh, they let her in the back door because she come in and do the routines and come on and like come on and it's like one of these things like you know yeah she still performs primarily for a, a gay audience it's like well she grew up in the gay neighborhood performing for gay bar owners like that's like but yeah the thing was that she found a way to get in there and do it and yeah just that kind of thing like like the kids either think that it's never going to happen for them or that it's completely accessible to them. Like they're, it's like it, it's kind of one or the other as far as like when you're a teenager, like oh I can never do that, or it's like wide open to. Me. And it wasn't even like a lot of people. It's their parents that just drill it into their heads that like you know I need you. You need to find a career. You know, like my dad who was a great piano player when he was a kid, and of course his parents were, oh you need to find some kind of career. So he went and got an engineering degree and became a businessman and you know whatever. I mean, there's that. A lot of people whose parents just don't nurture them, but my parents totally nurtured my creativity. They were just like, oh you want to do theater? Great. Hey, go to theater school and it wasn't it, it still didn't occur to me like oh maybe I should do what I want to do it's weird weird how you can hold yourself back yeah, yeah that's yeah. what getting out of the house is all about I guess so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, I'll talk about mine which is also very music related and for me I mean growing up I was completely obsessed with music if I wasn't playing with friends or at school I was listening to the radio does anyone want to know why we're, we've been married for so long <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look at our wall of records I mean I knew you know I'd listen to Casey Kasem all the time I could tell you you know what was number 23 on the countdown this week I'm ahead all long that long distance dedication <laughs> yeah and, and eventually I got into um, probably middle school early high school maybe middle school got into um rock music and again grew up in the in suburban detroit and the radio there was pretty meat and potatoes rock and roll it'd be you know bob seger bob, a lot of bob seger a lot of ted nugent a lot of sammy hagar a lot of molly hatchet all of that kind of stuff nice. all of which i loved 
I didn't love Bob Seger, but that was just me being difficult. Um, turn the page. Turn. The, I always love that song, though. <laughs> um, you know, I loved all that stuff. And there was a little window where you would hear things like the Clash or the Talking Heads, and even some of the the sort of power pop things like the records or the Twenty Twenty things like that. And I mean, but I, I kind of loved it all equally. And at some point, I mean, I really loved The Clash. I mean, London Calling, it's just this record I listened to all the time. So maybe it was at some like 10th grade, 9th grade, something. Mm, yeah. So somewhere in there. And I love Joe Jackson a lot, too. I thought he was amazing. Yeah, he made the list. Uh, yeah. So Allison has a, a list of um, from high school, a little high school journal with a bunch of Should bands. I read the list? Yeah, please, please read the list of right. artists that well, you when liked. I, okay, so while we were preparing for this podcast today, I was looking through my old high school journals because I have them here in our basement. And I found, I used to um, make lists of bands that I liked and categorize everything. So I found, this is probably from around the same time that Danny's talking about, probably around 10th grade. I found a page that says, groups I like, and then I crossed out groups and put artists. And then They're I have, classing up the joint. Yeah, yeah. So I have three categories, progressive, rock and roll, and punk new wave. I love that Utopia is on there. Right. Okay. So under progressive, I have, these are groups I like, artists I like, Genesis, Pink Floyd, Yes, Utopia, Camel, Gary Newman, Tull, Elton, and Devo. And I now, love Devo that, had I, been I, moved. I love that both Devo and Gary Newman, Gary Newman, Newman are okay, in the so, progressive right. category. So, and now, okay, so then the rock and roll category, we have Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Cheap Trick underlined because Cheap Trick was my life, Bruce Springsteen, The Babies, Rush, The Who, the Foreigner, <laughs> and Charlie. That's Charlie was on my dad's record label. And then Punk. New Wave, I have Graham Parker, The Police, The Clash, Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello, Blondie, Ramones, B-52s, The Cars, Squeeze. Now, Gary Newman with an arrow (laughs) pointing to progressive. Squeeze. Devo with an arrow pointing to progressive. I don't know why. Um, P-I-L crossed out (laughs) and then written in again as public image. Sex Pistols and Dead Kennedys. And then I also Maybe you thought your future, you wouldn't understand the P-I-L acronym. I really doubt that I ever thought there was a future. But also, in, under progressive and rock and roll, I had Billy Joel twice and crossed him out twice. I, I had arrows going back and forth, and then I crossed him out. I can't decide if he's progressive or not. And right, was he progressive or rock and roll? I didn't know. But then I crossed him out because I was just... And ACDC, I crossed out too, under rock and roll. And then I hate Sammy Hagar, Led Zeppelin... Which now I know Zeppelin is like the greatest genius band ever. I don't know what I was thinking. Wait, can we skip ahead and just say Gamma? Gamma. Grateful Dead. Gamma? I saw Gamma. Why would I hate Gamma? What's what's to hate? (laughs) What's to hate? Black Sabbath, I still hate. Judas Priest. Santana, who I still hate. Charlie Daniels, who I love. Disco. Just the entire (laughs) genre of disco. Sticks. Ted Nugent. (laughs) Kiss, written in the Kiss letters. Madness. Which madness doesn't make the cut? No, and Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Yeah. What uh, what year do you think this is? If you had a guess, I'm gonna this, guess eighty two. No, 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 no. 81. This is way earlier. This is probably eighty. Public Image was was doing it in eighty. Well, let's see. Yeah. I would guess. Well, while you do some fact checking, let me uh, carry on with my story, Bucky. You'll oh, listen yeah. to me, right? Yes, I'm listening. I'll listen. Um, I. You know, so I, I loved all, so again, I, I love the clash. I love Joe Jackson. And the, it would, maybe it was 81 or 82, I'm not sure. 
I, in my mind, three records came out all at the same time that I was dying to hear. Sandinista by The Clash, Beat Crazy by Joe Jackson, and Remain in Light by Talking Heads. And this was a time where, I mean, I just listened to the radio all the time. I didn't really buy that many records. Like, you didn't need to buy the records because all the great music was on the radio, right? I mean, you know, and... You could burn cassettes You could, I, I, from your streaming audio player on the radio. <laughs> the word burn did I, not exist. I, yeah, yeah. I would sit there and I would tape things like the King Biscuit Flower right, Hour. Right. And they would, you know, preview albums. We're going to play all four sides of In Through the Outdoor, or all two sides yeah, of yeah, In Through yeah. the Outdoor Night. And you'd get the cassette going and, like, the tape The Sertron it. C60. <laughs> you know, get there. Like, yeah, get yeah. the whole thing on there. And yeah, so so I was dying to hear all those records, and especially Sandinista because it was a triple record. There was no way I was going to go out and buy that. I mean, that would probably cost like nine bucks or something at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and those records came out, and none of them got played on the radio. I, and I listened again. I listened to the radio all the time, and I never heard a song from Sandinista. And it was out for weeks, and I just again twenty four hours listening to the radio, tapes tapes rolling, trying to catch it. And the same thing, the Joe Jackson record came out and they had played, you know, I'm the man. They played all the time, all the hits off that record. And they didn't play anything from that record. And I remember when Remain in Light came out, I remember on the way to school one morning, hearing Cross-Eyed and Painless, like, oh, my God, that song's so awesome. And I never heard it again. And it was this weird moment of like something in my brain clicked. It was like, well, I don't understand. They played all those bands last year and they played them a lot. But this year they're not playing him. And again, I don't think I could really define it at the time, but I think, you know, I mean, slowly there's this realization that radio, it's not giving the people what the people want. It's sort of defining what the people want by what they play. And obviously, you know, years later, I could realize, okay, these people have playlists and agendas and they're going to start defining that. But at the moment, I just didn't understand. If you played The Clash last year, why aren't you playing him this year? And it was that moment where I realized, okay, I now like those bands. And if I want to find those bands, I have to start searching other places. I have to start digging and I have to go start hanging out at the record store and talking to people at the record store or finding there were a couple, you know, the, I start listening to public radio. Good God. You know? <laughs> Good God, the slow decline. But, you know, and so I started finding some alternative uh, radio stuff. But it was again, it was that moment of not hearing those bands when, I expected to that, you know, I think sort of set me down mm -hmm. a path in a big way. But um, that's kind of a, a question of how you got good taste. But when when do you think you you first it first dawned on you that you had the ability to be creative yourself? I, you know, I think I kind of always fancied myself a writer. People always told me my stories were charming, you know, even at that early fifth, sixth grade, little creative things. And, and I read a ton. So I think growing up, I'm like, I'm going to be a writer one day when I grow up. So I, mean, I think it never really dawned on me. I mean, I kind of just felt all along, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. But I mean, I probably thought I was you know, when I went to college, I went to like business school. I'm going to like sort my own business and do something. So, I mean, you know, I think I think it then gets back into those things like grow, growing up. It's kind of drilled in you that you're going to have some job and you're going to have to do something. So I'll go to business school. I like numbers. I know how to count money, you know, or, you know, whatever. Did you finish business school? No, no, but I never made it. How did you get it. so, because when I met you... 
from the second I met you, you had such a total take charge attitude about your stuff. You were just like, I'm making movies. I'm going to show my movies in a club. I'm going to get all my friends in my movie. I'm going to put posters up for my movie. I'm, yeah, you're like, kind I, of, you're the poster child of like the DIY. DIY kind but of the thing. thing is like, where did you realize that? Because until I met you, I mean, I had done, I've been playing music and stuff, but that whole thing yeah, yeah. of just being Definitely. like, can I swear on this thing? We're trying not to. But you can the bleep, bleep it. We'll yeah, we can control like, your potty you know, mouth house, and we'd appreciate it. Right, like screw the sort of <laughs> I mean, establishment of I, what says I can do this. You were just you know, so I th- like take I think charge for me, about it. I mean, when it, did that start? At some point in college, I started making movies, and I just got attracted to it for, I mean, I won't get into that here. But I was 19, and I was hanging out. I was going to, I was going to shows, I was going to rock shows, going to punk shows, whatever you want to call it. And what I realized is the places... And this was in Ann Arbor, and so they had festivals and stuff like that, but there really wasn't any place to show those kind of movies on any regular basis. So immediately it's like, okay, well, I make the films, and I can can invite people over to my house and show them, but there's got to be some other way to show them. And since I had friends in bands, you know, I I just started asking, can I go to your show and set up a projector and show at your show? I mean, it it just seemed to me, and I think I took all my cues from music. So I knew people in bands, I knew people putting out 45s. They'd put out a 45, they'd put out another 45, they'd put a record, they'd play every week. And so I just said, well, I'm just going to take that, that same. I'm just going to do that with my movies, and I could go try to rent a venue, or occasionally there were you know these alternative you know film screenings in Ann Arbor, but those were went to you know the the, the artsy college kids or the older crowd went to that, and it's like my people are the people going to rock shows in Detroit every weekend, so it just made sense instead of getting what I would what I perceive my audience to be instead of getting them to come to some art venue that they wouldn't necessarily come to i was just going to take my stuff to them it just seemed easier i mean i'm just lazy really i think you know it just it just yeah, seemed but that's, that was pretty radical it just i mean but I, you know i really bought into that whole sort of punk diy you know anyone can do it ethos and so i just tried to apply it to to make movies because most people who at that age who are in film school uh sort of feel like it's a sort of an academic exercise almost more than something that you're taking to the people you're building up to something else you know and yeah i mean i never really that you're not building up to anything else you're just doing what you're doing always when you're doing it which is yeah and it's and when you do it it's valid and it's going to it's going to speak to the people who are involved or who who it'll speak to so yeah i mean so that's where that's where that came from but again i think it but i think it goes back to this this moment of realizing you know the radio these places where you're supposed to be getting your culture from that are supposed to be these egalitarian places you know because there's this dream you know you can be in a band and it's going to be on the radio and i think i realized you know what no it's not they have their own agenda they're choosing to play things for whatever reason so yes i mean to me i think that moment of again moving down towards this sort of more diy ethos i think actually comes from this moment of you know, how come the radio is not playing The Clash anymore? Yeah, you're like, you're going to have to find it for yourself. You're going to have to find, you're going to have to define it and and make it and make, yeah, exactly. Make your own world of culture that you Yeah, And, and I think that was a moment for me being a passive listener in that case to being an active listener right. i mean i went out and bought the record so i was and i was actively turning on the radio but it's like i'm gonna kick back and oh i can't i hope they play some joe walsh today and some clash you know <laughs> <laughs> i love joe walsh yeah, by yeah. the way <laughs> I, I, 
had the t-shirt. I had the cassette. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, you, Life's you know. been good. <laughs> yeah, I love that song so much. Yeah, but then there was that. Should that... be the theme song of Nesta Vipers. Yeah. I live in hotels and tear out the walls. I got accountants that pay for them all. Um. <laughs> all right. And on that note, I think that's as good as note as any. Bye. Bye. All right. This is Danny Plotnick, and you've been listening to the Nest of Vipers podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to dig deeper, check out our YouTube page at youtube.com backslash Nest of Vipers podcast, where you can see clips that relate to the cultural references mentioned in the show. Also, if you'd like to leave us a comment, please visit our MySpace page at myspace.com backslash Nest of Vipers podcast. And as always, Nest of Vipers is distributed by KQED Interactive.